Welcome to another episode of Three Men in a War Game. I'm Paul, and ChopsCon is going to have more games than you can shake a meat stick at. <laughs> uh, I'm Kevin, and are you sure this is the best thing to do with a day off? <laughs> and this is uh, Potter. Hide your kids, hide your wives. It's ChopsCon's 22. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so since we've gone over our three potential slogans for the next year, uh, what are we talking about tonight, Paul? We're talking about ChopsCon 2021. We are, and there's going to be some people that are listening like, the what now? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, but those people should get on our Discord so they can learn all about yeah, things like ChopsCon. true. All right, but before that, um, we should talk about hobby progress because we haven't really um, recorded in a few weeks, and so maybe we made some hobby progress. And even when we have been recording, we haven't been talking about hobby. That's it's true. true. This, and this is going to be a couch session, so we should start by talking to each other about our painting accomplishments as of late. Yeah, Chris, how about you? I know you've been on, working on some stuff. Oh, uh, I have been working on some stuff, but it's super secret. It's a, oh, it's, yeah. It's a, yeah. it's a super secret squirrel project I've been working on, but I have actually been making a lot of progress. Um, I grabbed some new brushes and was actually a little disappointed by them which made me kind of go pick up some of the other ones I had bought a while back and not used yet. And so I'm actually in love with this Raphael brush I've got and it is in like psyched me up to paint. So, um, so I've actually gotten a lot of progress in what I'm working on. I wish I could tell and you. You got some progress on something before you started working on uh, that yeah, too that we, my, you haven't talked my about. My stag boys, I got some I got some progress on my stag boys. I got their yellow airbrushed on them. I've got their plate armor on them, uh, on some stag on a unit of stag knights. Um we played a game uh with them and they did I did a double stag knight uh list with Renly and just parked Renly in the middle of the board with both of them with Brienne next to him and the other stag knight unit they didn't go nowhere for the entire game uh so <laughs> the amount of healing and everything in that list was amazing so they deserve some paint and they got some paint awesome that's fantastic how about you Kevin boy I went from uh like my productivity being in the tank to 15 models uh this month so far so i painted uh t two relic blade models to run demos at ChapsCon, which we'll talk about uh and i also painted 13 models for song of ice and fire and that is a full unit of uh, house harlaw reapers um with the attachment for them as well whose name i just can't it's not coming to me right now big guy with a scary axe that does bad things that guy um but I got all 13 of those done. So feeling pretty good, man. I've had that Greyjoy box for a month and I've got a unit painted. And that's about what I wanted to do was a unit a month. So nice. feeling pretty good about it. That's not bad. No. Not bad at all. Not at all. No. I've been I've been working on the uh, Targaryens that some Jagoff gave me. <laughs> that dude's a jerk. I know, right? So I've been working on them. I got three of, well, I got two horses completely done. Uh, when I say horses, I mean horses and rider, like the whole model. Um, I have the third one uh, basically base-coated. He's ready to get highlights and shading, which is kind of the faster part with the trios that I've been using. Um, and then the fourth one, I still got to get the base coats on uh, before Saturday because he looks kind of silly, primed in a light gray. Uh, but the other thing I started doing is I started working on the bases, because the last time I played with them, uh, they look kind of silly, painted up with 
with the weird, you know, un, undone bases. So I went and got the uh, Vallejo uh, scenery stuff, diorama grit, uh, and, and put that on there. It's like a dark brown, uh, not quite, not, not sand, but like a shade or two darker than w- what sand would be. Uh, and then I, I washed it with a, uh, the Army Painter Soft Tone. And then probably tomorrow I'm going to go back and dry brush it with uh, Talleran sand from, from GW and put a few tufts on there and, and it should look great. Nice. 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 Oh, and then today today I also built some uh, Zia drowns for Infinity, uh, which are super awesome. They're, they're two uh, pretty hefty uh, chunks of metal. So... Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, I guess I forgot to mention I'm uh, about uh, 95% of the way done with Kingpin for MCP and 50% of the way done with Bullseye. And then I've got five more MCPs lined up behind them that I'm painting, which is like my somewhat secret project. You get to know it's five MCP models, but you'll see what they are and what I'm doing with them once they're painted. They're going to be baller. Awesome. Yeah, they're going to be pretty. Well, don't don't prime them too much. I might mess it up, but I'm excited about the idea. Okay, the premise is baller. Yeah, <laughs> the premise is pretty is, is good. I'm happy with the premise. Um, yeah, so that's hobby stuff, huh? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, since we talked about our hobby stuff, um, Chops, why don't you tell us what uh, ChopsCon is? Yeah, so uh, I'm going to start out by saying that I didn't name this damn thing. I don't know how that happened. Oh, the Discord <laughs> named it for you, sir. And it, <laughs> if they hadn't done it, I was going to do it because I already had ChopsCon in my brain. And I was that's what I was going to name the Discord channel. And then other people went with it. I was like, good. It's not just me. All right. Well, no, it's I, a perfect it name. It is. It's a perfect I, name. I, fine. You guys, fine. It's a perfect <laughs> name. Uh, so I had an idea. Uh, I don't remember when the idea struck me. Um, April, m- late April, early May, maybe. Yeah, it had to have been. It because w- it was whenever we when when my city started opening up its park reservations. So it was early spring. Um, and I w- figured the best way to get in person games happening because we weren't going to get them done indoors was to book a shelter outdoor and throw a party and so what i did is i looked back at some like historical weather data and i picked a good weekend which was the weekend of june 13th um, or june 12th and 13th and i picked june 13th because i figured sunday is it was an easier day to get a reservation than saturday and i rented a very very large outdoor um covered shelter and so this is a shelter that's covered on fully covered on two sides three quarters of the way covered on a third side and then open on another. So it's basically got like, uh, it's two walls and then it's got a vending side and an open side. Um, and we gathered many, many war gamers and played games all day. So that's what ChopsCon was. That's awesome. In a nutshell. Um, so was it, was it mostly people that you knew or did like people that you don't know show up? as well so it was mostly people that i know but also we have some newer people that have been in the madison minis community for a long time but just that i hadn't really played games with or met that showed up as well um and then also friend of the show donald drove up from the other madison alabama (laughs) yeah is that i didn't realize that's where he was at i know he was yeah i know he was saying something about being like an hour closer to raleigh um but i did not realize like he was that close 
Yeah, so he drove up from Alabama uh, all the way to Madison, Wisconsin to play games with us today, mostly to make sure that I played Carnivale, I think. <laughs> yep, because that was his implication that he was going to come here and uh, make Chris and Craig and I play. And it did happen. I did I did play Carnivale. I saw wow. the photographic evidence of that. It happened with my good buddy Jason. Um, and ho- holy crap, man, it was fun. So the logistics of like planning your own event are hard. I'll, I'll say it's like a lot of work. Um, but I think ultimately I had a really good time doing it and would do it again. Um, do, you, so, so, do you guys have any questions? Yeah, I'm curious. Yeah, I mean, my, my first question is like what kind of work went into it? Because it sounds like it was more than just, hey, we're going to the park. We're going right. to play. Yeah. So what would you do to organize it? And so that was like the original idea was like. Yeah, we're going to go to the park and play games. And then it was all of a sudden, it was like between 20 and 30 people that were saying they were interested. And so I was like, well, I can't just expect that 30 people are going to show up in a space and we're going to be able to figure out how to make this work without somebody being upset. Right. Uh, Also, it's a park, so I have to figure out food. Um, And so it went beyond just getting that park reservation. So Part of what happened was I created a heat. I created a spreadsheet in the spreadsheet. I created a heat map and the heat map. What I, what I mean by that is that it's, we listed all the games and table sizes and then people had to essentially give their feedback on what games they wanted to play. Um, and I'll actually give you the exact breakdown of the metrics here. If you're actually interested. <laughs> yeah, I think that'd be really cool to hear. Yeah. All right. So what what I did is I we listed the game systems and then I also the categories were this is my number one interest. I would like a demo of this game. I own and will play this game, but it's not my number one interest. And I would prioritize running demos of this game. And I didn't ask anybody to put names. I wanted them to just anonymously digit up on each one of those things. And so the idea here was what it was going to let me do because I knew how much square footage we had, how many tables we were going to be able to fit. And so what I was trying to do was make sure that the games that people wanted to play most got played and that there was enough room for those games to be played. And it, it turned out that there were enough people that were willing to bring tables and we had enough square footage and the number of people that showed up was fine so that no one ever had to really be sitting out because we had Riot Quest and... Uh, Relic Blade and uh, Flesh and Blood and some other games on smaller tables so that even if all 11 of the full-size gaming tables were full, there were plenty of games on the non-full-size tables to play. But this heat map helps because everybody before we got going and got to the convention knew what everyone was trying to play. And so there were people before the, the thing started that were like, let's you know get a game of Malifaux and make sure we have a game of Malifaux set up and we'll play that. Let's make sure we have demos for X, Y, and Z games so that we make sure we get those demos. And that was like um, dystopian wars. Like I, I think I saw like three or four dystopian wars demos happening throughout the day. Very nice. Oh, wow. So, uh, and also a uh, friend of the show, Calvin, um, is playtesting his game, Corium. And I think he had three people playtest his game over the, the course of the day, too. So he got some very useful playtest data. And the only way we could have had all that happen and make sure that everybody got to play all the games they played is if we had this organizational chart that showed everyone who was attending what everyone else wanted to play ahead of the show or ahead of the event. Wow. 
That's great. So, did you take any kind of uh, statistical data on what was the like the game's most played? Because I, I not not most played when we were there. Because I I was too busy just playing and socializing and have a good time to like uh, pay attention to what people were playing. But I can tell you what was most desired to be played, and it, it was Malifaux Crisis Protocol. It, really, those two. <laughs> um the, uh, the those were like the two highest and i think dystopian worst demos too that was also like highly requested right well that's those are like those are pretty much like your community's bigger games right definitely yeah definitely Malifaux. and you know there was some infinity that i, I don't maybe some people maybe somebody played a code one game i think that did happen i think there was a code one game that happened at one point there was some star breach um there was a big four player uh like destruction derby gaslands game that yeah. happened nice um and that was another one that was highly requested but really the one like if you look like the number one interest for Malifaux was four people and it had eight people that were interested uh that wow. would but not their number one interest so if you think about it, that was like half the people that were going to be there were you know specifically wanting to play Malifaux that's pretty awesome. Probably itching to play after, you know, a year and a half of lockdown. <laughs> exactly. And that I think the game opened with three tables playing Malifaux. That was like the the, the opening salvo of games. Nice. Um, it was like three people playing Malifaux, me playing Carnival, a Corium demo, a Dystopian Wars demo, and a couple guys playing MCP. And that was like how the day started. So... Um, and then, you know, people showed up throughout the day. I would say, you know, throughout the day, I think it was like 22 people in and out that showed up. And I think there's, I think at max, we had 16 people there at once, which, you know, it doesn't sound like a lot of people, but if you think about it in like an outdoor shelter, it's like a lot, it's a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was just really nice to have, you know, our core group of Malifaux players all in one spot playing a game for the first time in a year. Um, but you guys, another thing that you have to think about is food, right? If you're going to run something like this, because, you know, there's all sorts of dietary restrictions and things that happen. But one of the, like, I fell back on a, on a friend who did catering and they were like, how many, uh, dietary restrictions do you have? And I was like, if you look at a Venn diagram, all of them. And so he was like, (laughs) he he was like tacos. And I took a second and I was like, oh, right, because you can do gluten free, you can do vegan, you can do dairy free, like you can do Uh everything with tacos. And you can literally literally let people build their own so they put their own stuff on it. Yes. So I ordered a taco bar for 20 and that and we had that delivered at four o'clock. And so I told everybody to bring their own lunch. Um, So everybody did bring their own lunch. And then we had a big hot taco bar at four o'clock. And so everybody had tacos or nachos. Very nice. nice. Now, did you did you spring for it yourself or did you tell everybody like, hey, bring a couple bucks? So I, I did the shelter on my own. Um, mm-hmm. And then I told – basically I said, hey, I can't cover all of the tacos. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to – and I held a poll for how many people wanted tacos. And that's how I got to that 20 number. And then I just asked people, like, I, I was very transparent. I showed them the, I showed the catering bill. I was like, this is how much the catering was. <laughs> I'm going to split it equally amongst the people. And I will say that most people were extraordinarily generous. Like, a lot of people gave me more than the catering because they knew that I spent over $100 on the shelter. Um, so, and I, so they, you know, they were people, I, I basically, I didn't lose any money. 
I'll say right. on, on the event itself, maybe like $45. I think $45 is what I spent total to run it. Um, and I wasn't trying to, I wasn't trying to operate at a profit. Right. So, right. Um, yeah, I just wanted to throw a kick-ass party. <laughs> <laughs> that was really awesome. Well, for 45 bucks, yeah. you know, that's not bad. Yeah. It's really awesome no, that everybody no, kicked in but like that. There were some other really cool things that happened though. Um, and I, I want to really specifically give a shout out here. So I want to like, uh, explicitly shout out Chris from slow death games. Mm-hmm. because once Chris found out this was happening, he messaged me and he was like, Hey, can I get one of those like pictures from the show? And I was like, okay. Like, you know, the, the faces that we have on the logo. Right. Um, right. And then he sent me back a template for a logo, uh, 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 basically a token that said Chopscon 2021 free reroll. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I had him cut 30 millimeter tokens that are the show colors. So they're blue and white. Uh, right. And he, he sent me a ton of them. He was like, do whatever you want with them. I don't care what you do. I just wanted to make them and be a part of it somehow. And so what I did was I set up an Able Gamers charity. And anybody who donated $20 to the Able Gamers was able to get a token. And I was able to raise about $400. That's awesome. Doing that too. So it wasn't just like that I didn't lose any money really. Is that I also raised $400 for Able Gamers, which is a really dope charity. Um, and people got to have a little piece of memorabilia. And then even cooler than that is that Chris cut a bunch of MDF. And I didn't know about this until the day of the show because Donald showed up with them. But he made Chascon dice trays. So I have oh, nice. really cool memorabilia from this and that I have uh, MDF dice trays and also 30 millimeter acrylic tokens um, from the thing. So that's really cool. And so I think if anybody was ever planning on doing an event like this, you should definitely like, even if you don't have a friend who will just like cut them and send them to you, um, the materials aren't all that expensive. And so you, it's definitely something that you might look into doing because it was really fun to have the like mementos. Right. Yeah. I mean, those are, those are always super like cool and super important to do. Like, I mean, we've, we've been doing that with the, with our barnstorming events. Um, yep. We've been getting, friend of the show Jim to make little wooden tokens for the people that have been going and and he's made them for basically every month since February and it's just been really great to have them uh just to be able to be like oh yeah I remember that that was awesome yeah it's so cool and I, I really and the nice thing for me is like I have a full set of like scheme markers <laughs> right for Malifaux too because I you know I have 10 of them left over for myself um so I'll be using those as scheme markers. Nice. But that was pretty sweet. Um, and all in all, man, it's like a, it was a really cool thing and I would really recommend it. I think probably next year I'll do it again. Um, and I won't operate. I won't, I don't think I would do it. So slapdash again. I think what I'll do is I'll actually use some software online for better organization. And I'll mm-hmm. also upfront ask for help right like i'm gonna i'm gonna try and get an upfront commitment and then i'm gonna rent like a legion like an american legion hall right right um and so we don't have to be outside in the 88 degree heat all day (laughs) yeah that's hot for you guys it was 88 degrees i mean 88 degrees is hot paul it's objectively hot Mm, um sure You're out of your mind. I don't. I, 88 degrees with with above 70 percent humidity is hot. Um, I mean, anytime you're getting close to 90, anyway, he would, yeah, he, was, was, he wouldn't warm. have survived today. It Paul. was warm. <laughs> no, he would not have. It was over. It was. It was, <laughs> it was like 96 today with 100 percent humidity. 
Yeah, that's very hot. Yeah. Uh, it, was, yeah it, was, hot. it was gross yeah. out today. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's hot. I'm saying 88 degrees is also hot. You wouldn't go outside and be like, it's balmy. It's fucking hot, man. <laughs> like, even Donald was like, it's pretty warm. <laughs> He's from Alabama. It's hot. It was hot. People were sweating. Anyway, Wisconsin. Yes, <laughs> yeah, I mean being out there. Yes, being hot. out there all day playing games. Yeah, yeah. Better off in a in a foreign legion thing, for sure. <laughs> American legion. <laughs> yeah, or like a, a veterans hall, right? Because those get the, you can rent those. Like that's oh, like a thing. If you if you didn't know that, you can rent those out. Yeah, like, I got, I got married. I got married in a VFW. Yeah. Um, I drive a VW. Hey, very different. Um. <laughs> But I think I might do that next year. And I think I would, you know, spring to have catering delivered rather than having to have somebody go get it. Um, and I would do I would show all the costs up front and make sure people understood what they were getting into. And I would charge an appropriate amount um, for people to come just so that everything like I didn't have to worry about it anymore. And, I, you know, there wasn't any sort of like financial risk or weirdness for me on it. But I, I right. definitely would do it again because it was super fun. Because one of the things that like I don't think if you've never been to a convention, one of the things you don't realize that separates it from like having friends over for a game night or even going out to the night for the store is that you're setting an entire day aside to play games. And it puts you in a mindset that's very different from pretty much any other setting. It's different from a day that you had to be at the office the whole day beforehand. It's different than being at home where you have distractions around you and you're like trying to get back to your day after you're done or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. And it it just put, you get into a totally different place when you're able to just know you have an entire day set aside to do nothing but play games. Right. So, Uh, and that's true of any convention. Yeah. So would you be doing it around the same kind of time frame? For next year? I think like, so. Yeah, I think it would be early summer, late spring, early summer again. Yep, for sure. It's okay. a good time around here. So look out look out on uh, Indeed uh, in about January. We'll be looking for interns for him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sorry, record. It's got to be unpaid. <laughs> again, I'm not I'm not trying to make money on uh, on whatever the next one will be or what, what Neither I, if is I call the intern it, we can hire if I call it ShopsCon 22 <laughs> again um, or if I call it 22 or whatever. But it, it'll be very fun. I think I'm really looking forward to doing it again. It sounded like everyone who was there wanted to do it again the next year. So I'm not uh, I'm not real worried about whether or not it will happen. It's just, you know, when I start planning the next one. Look out! Right. At, look out! Adepticon, there's a new Midwest con coming. No, no, there's a big difference between five to ten thousand people and like under fifty. <laughs> I would, I would love to get forty or fifty people at the next one though, uh, and yeah. I like get make sure that like some of the local games workshop community knows about it. You know, maybe we can have like a side Necromunda tournament because there's a pretty big Necromunda scene here, and just like because you know, I really like that like. Pr- cross-pollination sort of of like game systems right where everybody's seeing other things and you know i think that some of the people in my group maybe don't give all the games that are out there enough due and i think that certainly people who are only playing games workshop games aren't giving any due to the games they they might otherwise look at Um, right and so i'd love to get like all those people in one room playing games i have a buddy who like didn't come because his main interest is like batman um, and we weren't, no one was wanting to really play Batman there. And, you know, maybe we could get more of the Batman crew at the next one. So, you know, there's just a, a ton of reasons to try and do it bigger and better next year. 
right. and well, try and scoop more people than just people in our Discord. Well, that's what I was going to say. Is hopefully people are going to tell their friends, like like maybe that don't know you or don't know other people, um, and are just going to be like, "Hey, my my Batman playing friends are coming this time." Um, you know, just kind of that that uh, MLM style marketing. You know, one person brings a person, and yeah, and all that, and that yeah, did so. happen. Like so, so Brian was a guy that I didn't know. Really, I mean, I, I'd maybe seen him in Facebook groups, and I just really had never met officially. Um, and, and I knew him, but he brought a friend that was someone who he's been playing with for a really long time, named Zach. And they, you know, they were there all day playing games. That's and Zach awesome. brought like the, the the one of the sweetest pre-constructed city boards I've ever seen. It was so dope. Um, so w- one of the one of the other things that I like is that in a lot of times these these types of things it's it's tournaments, right? Yes. But I like the fact that it was like casual gaming, like just just kind of the fun gaming, right? Like yes. Nobody was day. competing for prizes, or nobody was trying to, you know put their internet dick list on the table and smash everybody. It was just fun, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like, oh, let me try that game. Let me try that game. That's or, or 100% been, correct. Yeah. And, and that's what I think sounds the best about it because so many of those all day, you know, cons that you go to are focused on competitive play. Yeah. And yeah, this was more about just like just playing all the games, you know, play, play yeah. all the minis games. So speaking of playing all the minis games, uh, what did you get to play? Oh boy, I had a really good day. <laughs> <laughs> um, I so I started the day playing a Carnivale demo, uh, and I'll say we're going to talk about the games that I played, and two of them are almost certainly going to have full episodes devoted to them. So I don't want to go too far into them, other than just giving you like my general impression of them. Yeah. Um, and so the first one is Carnivale, and. I, you know, I had known that I was going to like Carnivale from when I read the rules. Um, but actually playing the game was a totally like eye opening experience. It is a very fun game and a very fluid rule system. I think one of the things that I like best about it is that it, it you know, it has that intent based sort of gameplay that something like the Drowned Earth or Infinity has. Mm hmm. Um, but the hijinks factor is just through the roof. Like you wouldn't think about it, you know, cause it looks very serious. Uh, right. and it, it even like sells itself as pretty serious. But as soon as you're like, all right, my guy is going to run three steps up, jump onto the balcony, leap over to the windowsill and jump off the windowsill up to this thing on the third floor <laughs> and like get it to the top and the next turn, jump down and gank some guy in the head. Like it's just incredibly loony like the things that you can get away with it sounds like assassin's creed in miniature game war it it definitely is it definitely is and like the crew that i was playing were like sea monsters and so the thing that i was doing was like i would send some guy out of the canal (laughs) up to where jason's guys were and just throw them into the water with my big fish guy who would just drown them in the water (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. (laughs) It was so cool. And like one time I, you know, I I have my one acrobatic guy in my crew and he jumped up to the second floor of the building and threw two people that were in the building out the windows because he was my leader and had a lot of action. Just like, boom, through the window, threw someone out the window, across the room, threw someone else out the window. Like where my and then my big monster was just waiting in the water down there to drown them. (laughs) 
That's amazing. <laughs> that sounds like a lot of fun. Yes. And so uh, I really enjoyed Carnivale. Like enough that I've already uh, assembled the minis that I had sitting in my desk for a long time. And they're, you know, they're now officially in my queue to paint. Um, and I'll try and get more games played because I had a blast. Uh, and I also I really like rolling D10s. I know that sounds dumb, but it's really fun rolling D10s. And it has a very cool system. It's a lot like, again, like the Drowned Earth. It's not the same. Like, it's not exactly the same as in just pass and nailed it. But it has a similar thing where there's two different color dice. Uh, and if you roll a 10 on the different color dice and you succeed on the other dice, you get critical results. So basically, every time you roll the dice, there's four different dice states. There's pass, fail, and then there's critical fumble. And the every action has four outcomes. So like every attack drown magic spell jump and anything you could do as four possible outcomes hmm. so that's pretty cool as well and that you know you get the and the fumbles are hilarious um so yeah that's that's carnivale and carnivale is very very cool so that was one yeah. game i played we, chris and i have to have to give that a go if i can ever get him to stop playing song of ice and fire for 20 minutes it's fine just play no play a song of ice and fire the song of ice and fire is very good i'm not gonna no, I, I will, I, will I will play it i mean we were we were very that we were nicely given some some models to play it to review it to demo it so we we will get it done yeah, you, I definitely recommend it. I think you guys will have a really good time once you get to it because it, it's it's very easy. Like it's not a hard game to, to process. You know, it uh, it's kind of a fast and loose sort of narrative style game, in in my opinion. Uh, and it's it's very fun. And uh, woo boy, do you get a lot of shit in that starter set? Yeah, boy, you do. do you? Yeah, boy, do you? That's a it's an incredible value in that starter set. Yeah. Um. The dice are nice. The tokens are nice. The, the scenery is fine, right? It, it's functional because the, the minis are resin, but the resin minis and the gondola are really nice. Like everything's just really nice in that box set. Yep. Yeah. It's, it, it looks great. There's, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, that's, that's a whole other show right there just on that box set. Oh yeah. Like I said, the, the, and the, uh, of the two that I said are going to get full episodes, that's one of the ones that's going to get a full episode for sure. Yeah. I figured. Yep. Um, and so we're yeah, gonna so we're, we'll, yeah we're gonna talk about my favorite game of the day last. So we're gonna we're gonna talk right now about Riot Quest. And we've done a okay. whole we've done a whole episode in Riot Quest, but I hadn't played Riot Quest in almost a year and a half. Oh my god, guys! Wow. Riot Quest is really fun. <laughs> year and I, a half. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it, it had long? been yeah, it had been since before the pandemic. Yeah, Jeez. that I so I easy an easy year since I played Riot Quest. Maybe not a year and a half, but an easy year. Because I didn't play it at all in the pandemic, not even with my daughter. We didn't we hadn't really played it. We've been playing other stuff and it immediately made me want to come back to it and paint more models because I had a I had a a, a riot <laughs> <Put 'em. laughs> that you were questing for. Yes, it was uh, it, uh, it, it was very fun uh, I, I, and it made me very sad that um, privateer press is imploding or whatever is happening over there. But the yeah. fact that, that Will, Will Hungerford left makes me very sad because I don't know what the future for Riot Quest will be. That said, I have something like 30 Riot Quest models. So, you know, predictable. I mean, at some point, if you think of it like a board game, like it's like a complete board game. You know what I mean? I have everything yeah. I could possibly want. I have enough for four people to play. 
Uh, I have three sets of objectives. I have four maps. Like I have plenty of Riot Quest to play. I should be playing it more. And playing it like with three grown men <laughs> reminded me how fun it is to play because it makes you feel like a kid when you're playing it. Like, do you remember the the commercial for that game, Crossfire? Oh yeah, Crossfire! Like, do you remember how cool it looked playing Crossfire? Yes. Like playing Riot Quest feels as cool as Crossfire looked when we were kids. I have no That's idea what that cool. is. That's fine. That joke is for the people who have seen that commercial and understand. But like that's that it, it Riot Quest is as cool as the promise of Crossfire was. Um, Man, that that was that was a pretty promising uh, commercial. That's what I'm saying. And let me tell you, Crossfire sucks. But the, <laughs> but Riot, Riot Quest. I'm assuming not. you just lose the BBs <laughs> immediately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> immediately it's it's like uh it's like you know that like that thing where uh, a kid ordering mozzarella sticks what is that like he's hearing like ska music and drinking mountain dew <laughs> like crossfire is like crossfire is like the hungry hungry hippos for that kid it's just it's so bad anyway um but riot quest is not bad riot quest rules uh i am very looking forward to i actually that's another one where i w- immediately went back i was like all right where's all my models I'm going to have to, as soon as, as soon as we have our next week with, with Ezzy, we're going to play Riot Quest because I just had a blast and I want to get it back on the table more. Awesome. Uh, so another game that I played, Arena Rex. Now, Arena Rex, I have some experience with. I, I've played. I'm clapping for that one. <laughs> I've, and we could do a full episode, I think, on Arena Rex. So maybe we could do three full episodes because Arena Rex is a very, very cool game. It's a fantastically fun game. It's very fun. Yeah. I, I mean, I definitely found some problems with it, I think, when we were playing it. But I had a really, it, despite it, the fact that I was playing it at like 9 p.m. after a full day of gaming <laughs> and still having fun playing it says a lot for it. But that's the thing about that game is that's when it's meant to be played. For sure. It is definitely the betweener. Yeah. Um, or like the but, game that you're just like playing while you're getting hammered with your buddy. In, in and that, but but that's even how they market it. You know what I mean? Like the rule book is like, hey, got thirty minutes between a, a round of other games of what you're playing? Play this. Yeah, it's true, and it, it's very fun. You're, basically, if you've never heard of Arena Rex, it's a gladiator game with some fantasy elements and yep. some really brutal rules. Like if you get pushed into a pit trap, you die. Kind of shit. Yep. Um, well, and and a, and a really interesting. Um, somewhat guild ball very really, re- very reminiscent you know. of guild ball it's very similar yeah. to the play the guild ball playbooks the way that the 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 hit resolution works but it's you not get, quite but, the same but instead of just picking one you get them all down but then they branch as, as a decision tree yeah and mm. also your opponent rolls dice directly against you which is also different than guild ball right in guild ball right. you're just rolling your tack and comparing it to your opponent's stats where in this game you can actually have opposed rolls so there's some difference there. And the, um, and, and the exhaustion mechanic's pretty fascinating. Oh, boy. Too. Yeah, so that's the other thing about Arena Rex. There's no turns in or no right. rounds in Arena Rex. It's just a sequence of turns and figuring out how to activate your models to take like to take clear turns when you need them or avoid clear turns when you don't want them is fascinating. Yep. That's I mean that's where that game shines. That and the decision trees on on combat resolution. Yeah, it's very good. I I mean I don't I I have a lot of good things to say about Arena Rex, and not but, very many but, bad ones. 
but it's also like very much a casual game. Definitely. Uh, and um, we found some areas where it just felt like our guys were like slap boxing. <laughs> like, <right. laughs> we just like couldn't do any damage to each other for like a few activations in a row, which was just right. weird. And that's just it just happens in that game because of the way that the dice work. Uh, and that yep. like if I had any complaint, it would be that. But the game is still very fun. And the fact that you're like pushing each other around and exhausting each other. And like it's like this constant one upsmanship with very clever dice resolution. It's really cool. Well, and then and then game mode wise, you also have like monsters. Yeah, like, just like, you know, like gladiator things where like, oh, I'm going to push you over this way to where the lion is and he's going to fucking eat you. Yeah. And it, 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 it's very fun. And the models are may, okay. Maybe best in industry. Like they're wow. pretty impressive. Like I, they're I, really good. I know that sounds like general chop hyperbole, but go look at the models for arena Rex and be like, Oh, right. Best in industry. <laughs> they're, yeah. they are, they're, they, they're like kingdom death monster good there and i don't mean like the cheesecake kingdom death monster i just mean like the sculpt quality in general is immaculate they are boutique beautiful minis and you pay for them (laughs) they're 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 not they're not cheap they're not probably how they make their money is off those well i I would imagine when you see them chris like they can't be cheap to produce like these are high like highly detailed very very dynamic pure mm-hmm. resin sculpts well it's, yep. it's actually surprising to me as much as as paul hypes this game and has hyped it for almost as long as i've known him i've never played i've never you should played definitely it. fix that it's fun and it's fast we will we will resolve that i just gotta uh i gotta dig up the models i still have i think i still have a starter to build yeah because i think i saw um, you and susan playing it once many 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 years yep. ago and i think and I ta I I played it with Justin I think as well once or twice, mm-hmm. um, but I mean it, it's it's just straight up fun. And the other nice thing is that you don't have to go in like on a faction. No, right. uh, you can just you play can just any be models. Like, I like yeah. these three guys. That's what I'm playing with. Yeah, and you get a bonus if you have them in from the same Ludus, but you don't need to. Right, I think it's seventy five percent from the same group. Yep, um, or Ludus. Uh, then you get like a, it, and it's a small bonus, right? It's not like game killing. Right. It's small. Um, right. Gotcha. Yeah. So, so it's, so it's, it's fun that way. And I mean, there's some really neat, uh, factions out there. Absolutely love the Egyptian ones. They're, they're really cool. Yeah. I like the combination, the, the Iceland and North America. So it's like Vikings and native Americans. Yep. That's yep. like the the faction I like, um, but they're all great. There's like a Greek faction, a sort of Roman gladiator faction that it mm-hmm. just really good sculpts all all around too. Fantastically done. Yeah, I'll have to look yep. into it once uh once I get a game. Um, yeah. So Arena Rex and guys, now we're gonna get into what was my the mistake that I made <laughs> for the day, and the mistake that I made was playing Moonstone. Oh no! How much did you spend afterwards? It it's it's gonna be like a hundred and sixty. Um, oh boy, that game that so, game looks so interesting to me. I'm afraid so to play let, it. It wow, uh, you and you couldn't imagine, Potter. I'm going to do my best to elevator pitch this game without going 
into an hour long episode because once I get the rule book for this game and I get two or three more games under my belt, we are going to do a blowout episode on Moonstone because Moonstone and, and I, I, this is going to be the second time I've said this on a show. But if I had played Moonstone before I played any other minis games, I don't know how many other minis games I would have bought. Right. <laughs> it's it's that kind of game. Um, and so let's just first go into the aesthetic because the aesthetic is wonderful. <laughs> yeah, that, that, the aesthetic is why I try my best to ignore that channel on our Discord. It's be- yeah, there is an artist, and I can't think of the artist's name right now, and I wish I had wrote it, written it down. But if you think about, like, Labyrinth, mm-hmm. um, it, that style of sort of whimsy. Um, and you've got lots of different factions. You've got goblins. You've got gnomes. You've got fairies. You've got humans. But there's, like, this intentional sort of sinister humor running through the whole thing. And, and some of it is just straight-up humor. Like, one of the goblin models that I really love is a goblin riding a pug, and the name of the model is Doug the Flatulent. (laughs) And there's also, like, Sir Fancy Pants, and he's, like, one of the human guys that's, like, got fancy pants. (laughs) He, like, literally has fancy pants, and he's, like, a knight. So there's definitely some some whimsy, but also, like, some straight-up horror elements, too. Or, you know, maybe not horror, but... Um, like f- sinister fairy tales. Like there's like the three witches, right? So that you have in sort of all, you know, universally across all mythology. It's like you know, the three, uh, the the keepers of the fates from Greek, the three witches from German mythology. Like all of that stuff, it, it gets represented. Um, gnomes again, a bunch of fawns and giants and trolls, and they they just ooze personality. I don't know how else to describe it, other than the fact that like. Every model has this enormously, like, just endearing quality about them. And they all have so much personality and so much flair. And I, they, and then also the models are gorgeous. Yes, they uh, are. And I think I, I had some, the, the fact that, like, so we played a four player game and three of the model, three of the players' models were painted by the same person who's one of the best painters in our area. And the other one was painted by another one of the best painters in our area. And so all four of us were playing with gorgeously painted minis on a beautiful table. And that like really helped sell the aesthetic. But I think that any painter can sort of do these models justice because the models themselves are just beautiful. Yeah, I mean, when you said the the labyrinth of stuff, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head from what I've seen that was in our Discord channel. Um, I mean, for me, looking at them, uh, it looks like it's got like a, a labyrinth kind of like fable kind of humor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fable is definitely the humor. If you like the humor in fable, that's dead nuts. It. I mean, that and, is the and kind again, of humor. I haven't read any of the fluff. I've not read any of the cards. I don't know what any of the names of these models are. I'm just getting the fable humor through the models. Yeah. And that's that's 100% it. It's definitely that. Like. My, the one of my there, there's a bunch of characters like Beaky Bobby is so funny there's like a goblin that's like he's basically like flashing but and he's got like a plague mask on and a whole bunch of these like gross tentacures on the inside of his trench coat that he's opening uh, want to buy some watches <laughs> yeah exactly it's just it's so funny but the game itself is incredible um so I'll try and I'll try and do the best that I can to describe it because it's also very strange. Like it's not as I work through this, you're going to realize it's not like any other minis game that you've ever played. 
um, outside of that you move with inches like you would move in any minis game. Um, okay. So there are no points. This is a point pointsless game. It's a model count game, much like Arena Rex. You right. do you do have to stay within your faction, but the factions are pretty simple. Like there there, I think there's like four or five of them, uh, and it's just like, are we playing with five or six models? Right. Like, and, and, and then you just pick the models that you're going to play with. And the demo game, I think is like three on three models, but generally you're playing with four five or six models, depending on game size and six, I think is normal. And so here's how Moonstone starts. You gather a group of D fours. Uh, and the, it, this is also based on game size. I, it's like between, I think six and eight. And, it, and again, I only played the game once and it was demoed to me. So I'm sorry if I get these details right wrong. We'll do a full episode and I'll have the correct details. But the fact of the matter is you hold these dice over a foot above the table. And then you drop them over the center of the table, the D4s, and they scatter. And they scatter and they end up with whatever face up is what they are. And now what's happened is that these moonstones have basically started coming up out of the ground. And you, everybody in the area is alerted to the fact that there are moonstones and that they need to be dug up. And so the value of the D4, and, and th- th- this is the objectives for the game, and the objectives are wherever they land. So it's kind of like breaking pool balls, right? Right. You know, when you break and all the balls scatter, it's just like that. You drop all the D8s over the center of the table, and wherever they are on the table is where they are in the game hmm. with the with the number showing. And the number is how deep the moonstones are in the earth. So okay. one of the actions your models can take is to dig the, the moonstones out. And it takes however many actions to dig a moonstone up to carry it. And in the standard game mode, the person with the most moonstones is winning uh, at the end of the game. Now, so, and there are other scenarios, but I think you think of this like Guild Ball, right? Where there's the core, you have your core scenario in Guild Ball, which is like playing Guild Ball. And in Moonstone, you're going after the Moonstones. That's the core element of the game. Right. Okay. So now let's get into where things are different. So every model has a card and it's, this is just like Malifaux or any other game with card tracking. And every model has a life bar across the bottom. And in the life bar, you will have like open dots and blue dots. And at the beginning of a round, your models generate an amount of energy equal to the blue dots they have left showing. And that's how many, that's basically their action points. So most models start between two and four. I think two for bigger, slower, heavier hitters, four to five for your fast, squishy guys. And that's how many actions they can take during their turn. But as you get hit, you're, you don't have that energy on following turns, right? So if your person has taken enough damage that they only have one blue dot showing, they're only going to get one AP on that turn. And so that's a really cool fatigue mechanic all on its own, right? Right. But now I'll tell you that the factions, the way that those are dispersed on the cards is totally different. So like the goblins, as an example, they're spaced evenly. So as you take damage, you become gradually worse. But the gnomes, they are the always the last health boxes. Yeah, so, I saw that already. I, I, yeah, so I was wondering about the blue, but now I know. But so yeah, they're all they're all to the left. Yeah. So the gnomes stay the like they have the most vigor, right? They're the hardiest, so they stay healthy the longest because it's only their last health boxes ticking off that makes them less effective in battle or like less effective in the turns. 
All right, and now we get into where this game is super wonky because there's no dice in Moonstone outside of the D4s, and there's a there's D there's a two D six roll for initiative. But outside of that, the combat and the magic is all handled with card decks, and the card decks are uh, completely proprietary. They're not like standard decks of cards, like Malif. You know, Malif was a standard deck of cards with different suits. Um, these are proprietary decks and it's worth talking about them separately. So the magic deck has three colors in it. Uh, and I could be wrong. It could be more than three. It could be four color. It could be four colors, but it's like green, blue, and pink, I think are purple or those are the colors I remember seeing. And then there are numbers on the cards, one, two, or three. And there's a distribution of these that's the same. So every one of them has, it's like three threes, two twos, and one three per color, right? And so what happens is, let's say I want to cast a spell. My spell will have a number next to it, and that's the amount of energy that it takes. So the little blue dots, like that's, so you generate, and you might generate four, and a spell might take two to cast. And then the spell will tell you what it requires. So it'll be either, it'll be a blue square with an X or maybe a blue square with a two, or it might be uh, just a red, a pink square and a green square. And basically what it's telling you is what you need in your hand to be able to cast the spell. But all of the spells are opposed or you're casting them and your opponent is it, trying to it's basically acting as the ether resisting your ability to cast the magic and so what happens is you are dealt a hand of cards equal to your arcane stat so if your arcane stat is four you get four of the cards and then your opponent the person that's on the other side of your test also gets a hand of cards and so you look at your cards and you look at what is required and you may not have drawn what you need to cast your spell Ooh, right Right. So then you say, okay, I'm casting this spell with a green two. And now it's on your opponent to tell whether or not you are lying about what you put down. Oh, that's funny. Very cool. Yes. And if they call you, you must flip. But here's Hmm. the deal. If they call and you were telling the truth, you're allowed to take the action a second time. Oh, brutal. So... There's a there's a risk reward for both the person calling the bluff and the person bluffing. Right. But here's the worst part. Here's the bad part is if you lie and your opponent catches you lying, they get to replace the card ah. that you put down. And with one of theirs or one of yours? With one of theirs. And okay. there are catastrophe cards. <laughs> So if your opponent draws a catastrophe and catches you lying, they can make your spell backfire. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Uh, And so that's how the magic works. So there's this like beautiful bluffing mechanic to the magic. And it's every time you try to cast a spell, you, you test like this. And so then the combat is also handled with cards. But the way that the cards work in combat is that there are six different attacks or defense stances. So there's, or maybe it's seven. It does either way. There's like a low guard, a mid guard and a high guard, I think. And then there's like a rising thrust, a swipe, a downward attack, uh, and, uh, like a, a lunging press. Right. 
And basically, this is kind of like a rock, paper, scissors, lizard spot situation, right? Where you, again, based on your attack stat, are given a hand of cards. And your opponent is given cards to oppose you in, in, in combat. But the thing is, every card you put down has, and you, if you, as you look at an attack card, like you'll see what that card's effectiveness against the other possible cards is. So like you might be playing a downward slash against a low guard, which is not good for the person with low guard, right? Because you're going to come down right on their head and they're expecting you to be attacking low, not high. Right. And there is an effectiveness. And also every single one of them has what's called a perfect block, right? So every attack has a thing where you're perfectly parrying it. And because of all these different combinations, it's this huge mind game that goes on. And also, if you have doubles, it does double the damage. And and, and let, well, just as an example, right? Like we'll just say, and this might be wrong, but we'll just say that a downward thrust or a downward swipe does two damage to a person in low defense and the low defense does zero damage back. But if I had two of those, it would do four damage. If I had three of them, it would do six damage. Hmm. Okay. So, but you also can't, like, there's only so many cards in the deck and there's only so many, there's only three copies of each card. And so like, if you have two of them, you can reasonably assume your opponent doesn't have one, but also if you're on the other side of that, you can go, okay, this is what I have. I can make an educated guess about what my opponent has right? and try to counterplay what they're playing. And remember damage here is simultaneous. So like, <clears throat> every attack is risky because you might go in attacking somebody and then you don't do any damage to them, but they do damage back to you because they played the cards better. Um, and that's like the gist of it. Uh, there's a lot more I could go into. And obviously I'd want to detail like the cards and those interactions a little more uh, in depth. But the thing about this game is that the, the overall player agency is so high. <laughs> And the like right. bluffing and shit talking is astronomically high. Um, and that makes the game incredibly fun. Like there's tons of laughing, tons of conversation. Um, like, you know, well, I could have this, <laughs> you know, like right. there's this all this boasting and posturing and that's encouraged in the game. Right. Hmm. Um, and, and then you have to like combine that with the fact that there's this huge plethora of abilities right like all i'm telling you is the core mechanics but there are tons of abilities like doug the flatulent can fart <laughs> and it does and it does damage to everything so. in the area <laughs> right but it's just an example right um or like the vicious midget which is a small Jeez. goblin um is incredibly hard to kill and also every every single character has a what's called a signature move and so when you play the card that's associated with the signature move so maybe it's and with the vicious midget it's it's rising thrust is the card so if you play rising thrust with the vicious midget you can either choose to do the rising thrust or you can flip the card over and do his signature ability which is called growing tickler (laughs) And it's, you know, it's basically like him stabbing someone in the groin. Right. Right. Um, And the game is just full of that kind of whimsy and fun. Uh, And I am like in love with this game. Totally in love with it. It's so cool. 
leave it to the uh, Brits to make a game like this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't like, I don't know that it'll take, you know, where, where I'm at right now with the song of ice and fires place, but I am a, a the dead set on acquiring models and the rule book for this game. Like dead set. I'll probably, uh, the current plan is to buy three of the four gremlin bo- or goblin boxes. Like, as soon as I can get them. Hmm. Cause you know, you know me and green skins. Oh yeah. 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 Well, that's like me and gnomes. Right. And so now you're looking at the gnomes like, Hmm, shut up. <laughs> Moonstone, eh? Stop knowing me so well. <laughs> um, I, so I, this although, is one of although, those things. Although I, I, I do have to admit Boris, the bunny summoner might be a reason to play fawns just <laughs> in and of them. And, and, and yeah, Aaron, the our Malfo henchman, that's what he played, and he had a ton of fun with Boris. Yeah, he was basically him. using the bunnies to just mess with all of us while he was busy winning the game. <laughs> that's awesome. If someone doesn't yeah. screech, look at the bones. I don't think you can play the bunny faction. <laughs> <laughs> Doing the teeth thing, yeah. But they yeah. are little murder bunnies, so. Um, so that was my favorite thing at, at Chopscon. My favorite thing at, at, at my little event was playing the four player game of Moonstone that we played. And it left such a positive impact that like still days later, I'm thinking about decisions I made putting the cards down. Right. Um, and to me, that's like the hallmark of a good minis game. And I, I think I'm at a place in my minis games playing where I care a lot more about how fun a game is to play than it's inherit competitiveness Mm -hmm. and i don't know if malifo or if if moonstone is a good competitive game it might be i've only played one game so it's hard for me to tell you if it is or not but i don't care it is so fun to play that it just doesn't matter right yeah and and that's and that's the great thing about games like that in arena rex right like you can just enjoy them yeah like that's okay like that's okay to just enjoy playing a game. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it, it's just, it's, oh man, I don't know what else to say about it. I need to formulate my thoughts more, right? I wanted to come into this sort of raw and just talk in very glowing terms about it. And I'll come back after having a couple games played with some detailed notes and we'll do, we'll do a full episode of Moonstone. Like that's, that's going to happen because I just can't stop thinking about it. It's such a good game. Sorry, wallet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I have my my yearly budget still in good shape. I haven't spent a ton of money on miniatures this year, so we're doing okay. Um, I have the I have the room in the budget for Moonstone. Are, but are you are you still on your uh, New Year's resolution with your games? Though have you know, will Moonstone break that for you? I don't know. Oh, oh, well, hey, we're we're past. Frankly, June. I don't think he cares. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> we're past. We're, we're past June. Oh, that's this true. Thing was like only buying three systems before. That's June, true. I right? forgot. It was so only a six month resolution. I forgot. Yeah. And the year resolution is the dollar amount. Right. Um, and I'm still well under the dollar amount. So I'm not even worried about spending a little bunny, a little money on Moonstone. A little money on a bunny. A little money on a bunny. <laughs> Boom. So I'll be getting uh crusty Balboa. <laughs> <laughs> That's that is a gremlin with a pirate hat riding a crab. Better believe it. <laughs> I love uh, it. And his crew. Yeah, I'm super excited. So yeah, Moonstone, very good. Uh, glow, high, high praise. 
Also, running your own event, high praise. Give it a shot. If what I said doesn't sound too scary, you should definitely try it because it's a really good way, I think, to re-engage like your local community. Well, now I want to have ChopsCon South. Well, we could just do it. We could call it something different. But yes, no, it would be it would be called ChopsCon South. (laughs) Brought to you in part by Three Men in a War Game. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, ChopsCon South. All right, we'll have to start thinking of it. Because that can be in the fall, and regular ChopsCon can be in the spring. Watch out, yeah, Pax. That's right. <laughs> we're coming. Right. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're definitely competing with numbers there. Yeah, yeah, see? We got Pax, you, you take... We, we take down Pax, you take down Adepticon. There it is. <laughs> it's yeah. good to have goals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. Oh, man. All right. So um, final thoughts, I guess. Uh, I mean, I kind of gave mine. My final thoughts are do your own event. You know, make it happen. Also, Moonstone friggin rules. Chris, final thoughts. Um, I hope that I can afford to fly out there next year and join you. It's not like it was a lot of fun. Hell yeah. Yeah. And uh, I hate you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which Fair. means he's already bought moonstone <laughs> close very close so it's so good yeah yeah all right well uh thanks to all of our page well before that thanks to everybody that came to ChopsCon. yes um that was super awesome and then thank you to our patrons and thank you to static is the city for the the music and uh that's it Thank you. Bye.